The Cooped Up Podcast is brought to you guys by Anchor.fm. People are always asking me, Koopa, how do I start my own podcast? And my answer, Anchor is the best place to go. Anchor is the easiest way to start your own podcast. It's free and it includes easy to use tools to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Not only is it easy to use, but Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on sites like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many, many more platforms. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So, do you want to start a podcast about sports, music, literature? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another new episode of the Cooped Up Podcast, the podcast that is now coming to you guys on a new uh, recording software. That's right. This week, after a treacherous last week of me trying to record in Discord, I have finally decided, you know, I've been doing Cooped Up since January. We're going into month seven of this, which is kind of crazy to think about that number one, the year is melting by. And, uh, you know, for the most part, we provided a podcast a week. Uh, since we've been doing that and that's awesome that that's been so much fun you know for me to you know to do and to to um you know to, to provide to you guys but the whole time i've been doing it i've really been for lack of a better word cutting corners on what i wanted to do on how i wanted to do it you know this is my first time ever endeavoring into you know the podcast space as the you know the driver and you know the the uh, the editor and founder and all that other uh, other jazz, and I tried really really hard. You know I really didn't want to. Uh, <laughs> I was I was I'll just say it. I was lazy. I didn't feel like editing. I didn't feel like you know making things too overcomplicated than they needed to be. Um, and then I learned quickly that that isn't necessarily the way that I felt comfortable handling my business with this you know because this, this is again a product that i want people to enjoy it's something i want people to uh have fun with and um you know i eventually decided after talking to some friends and again after having discord absolutely uh shit the bed on me last week uh i decided it, it was best that i um you know i decided it was time for me to to move on to bigger and better things and you know, after talking to some friends about this, we are now recording uh, from you guys, uh, for you guys, on Riverside.fm. Uh, um, not sponsored, by the way. <laughs> but, yeah, it's it's, um, it's a podcasting service that a bunch of my friends use. You know, everyone I've talked to that has a podcast highly recommends it. The user interface has been dope. And from what I've heard from the audio quality on other people's podcasts, I really like it. So I hope you guys uh, enjoy this week's episode. It's going to be a, a solo episode, just a, a short one with me. You know, a lot of other people I was talking to, they got a little busy this week. So we're going to do something short and sweet this week. And, you know, uh, as always, if you guys enjoy what you listen to, uh, please make sure to listen to us on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Leave us a like on on Spotify, uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, download the podcast feed. You know, it really, really helps to, you know, get the attention out there and all that fun stuff. 
Um, and I'm really, really bad at plugging my own product. I'm good at plugging other people's shit, but I'm never good at plugging my own shit. I need to get better at that. That's something I'm going to be working on as we enter uh, half two of 2020, which saying that out loud absolutely makes me uh, sick to my stomach. <laughs> the fact that we're more than halfway through, uh, I said 2020, first of all, it's 2021. I got to get with the times. Time is a flat circle still, unfortunately, as I'm still trying to adjust to you know, getting back into normal life. And I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, some aspects of that, you know, later in, in the show today. Um, but it's weird. It's really, really weird um, that we're already, like, you know, blazing through the year so far. Things are, for the most part, you know, uh, trying to get back to a semblance of normal, uh, even though that the, the pandemic is still very much, you know, going on in other places. Uh, so, again, you know, be safe. Use your brain. Don't do anything stupid. Um, but yeah, you know, we're currently in the midst of July. And I figured I'd spend this week's episode talking about things that I really liked this week. It was a pretty good, uh, you know, week for pop culture news this week. Uh, so I'm really just going to use this episode to kind of talk about how my opinion on, on you know, big things in my circle. Uh, you know, we had the uh, Kazuya Mishima presentation for Super Smash Brothers uh, on Monday as we got the announcement that the, the final DLC character for Smash is, you know, coming out this year. We don't know when. We don't know who. But I'm going to talk a little bit about my thoughts on that and who that may or may not be. Um, the Many Saints of Newark trailer dropped this week. Again, if you haven't been paying attention to that, that is the a the prequel movie to the TV series The Sopranos that aired, uh, you know, on HBO from I believe it was I think it was like nineteen ninety seven to like two thousand and seven two thousand eight. Either way, it's one of my favorite shows on television, and I uh, I'm really excited about that. And Loki was really good this week. And on the eve of me recording this, you know, uh, not the eve, but as of the day of uh, I'm recording this, Black Widow comes out in less than a week. Uh, it drops on July 9th. Uh, so, you know, it drops uh, pretty much in about five days from now. Uh, so I'm going to talk about why I think Loki is great and you should be watching it every week. And I'm going to talk a bit about Marvel fatigue and maybe if, 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 but when it might sit in if it hasn't hit you so far. But, you know, we'll start with the Smash stuff because that's mostly in my wheelhouse of, of my career and stuff and if you did not see this week the 82nd character uh was added to super smash brothers ultimate uh this coming week i it, it was 82nd or 81st i'll have to to google and and fact check myself on that uh, by the way because i can edit these now so i will be uh putting uh, I, i'll be putting a a you know a scrolling text across the screen on whether if i got that right or not so stay tuned for that but yeah i um you know the the Kazuya presentation was today, and as always, with every new character of Super Smash Brothers, game director and creator Masahiro Sakurai sits down in his studio, or in his home, in this case the studio, uh, sits down and gives us a presentation. Uh, the new character, you know, it really, it, it, again, it's mostly just a glorified history lesson. You know, you learn the history of Tekken. Wow, Sakurai's thoughts into putting this character into the game. We get a whole showcase on how the character functions, about the stage choice, about the how the stage works, songs add to the game, and then uh, additional content, whether it be in the form of, you know, uh, new game modes or most of the time it's it's me costumes, and the me costumes this round were uh, painful, but 
Yeah, I got to say, I and I said this on the Glintendo podcast this week. Again, another podcast I am privy to, which I co-host frequently on. So if you're interested in hearing me talk more about, um, you know, strictly Nintendo stuff, if you're into more of the video game side of the things that we talk about on the show sometimes, uh, please check out Glenn's podcast on all platforms. Again, he's on all the same sites I am, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube um, the whole nine yards. It's a, it's a great show we did this week. And I talked briefly about how, you know, the, the public's reception to these uh, Sakurai presents have been much changed since I think they started doing it earlier in uh, in 2000, uh, you know, when the game first came out. You know, I believe they started doing this with, uh, with Hero and Banjo because Joker just kind of dropped and we didn't really know anything about it once the character came out. Um, but yeah, pe- you know, I think people really once people started kind of uh, lowering their expectations of what to expect from these long Sakurai directs, because any time in the past where they've done like long Smash centered content, uh, you know, you get not just character stuff, but you also get uh, upcoming information on maybe stages or other characters, and you know, you get teased about things that are coming in the future. But the Sakurai directs have always been very intimate; they've been very self-contained and. You know, I think once people started lowering their expectations onto what to expect from those, uh, they've been, you know, I think people have generally enjoyed watching the creator of this game that he, you know, uh, Sakurai even said it uh, in the direct, he's working on this game for the better part of, you know, 10 years now. And it's really, um, you know, it, it's kind of crazy to think about, like, doing something for 10 plus years is kind of nuts. Uh, and Sakurai has put so much of his time and, and energy and blood, sweat, tears, and love into this game, you know, uh, again, you you can tell from day one that this was going to be his swan song. You know, we talk about it on the Glintendo podcast, but, you know, um, Satoru Iwata, you know, former head of Nintendo who passed away, Sakurai when accepting an award at, I forget what, uh, you know, what show it was. He said that he, you know, was dedicating this project to his uh, departed friend, uh, Satoru Iwata, you know, uh, which is uh, again, it's awesome. I I I love that. You know, he's spoke. He's waxed poetically about how, you know, uh, Iwata wanted to bring a Smash game to the Switch, and Sakurai did that, and he did it big. You know, once that first initial trailer dropped, and you learned that they were bringing back every single cut character from Super Smash Brothers, you can kind of get the feel of how massive this game was going to be. And sure enough, uh, it's it's grown in size, and we only have. One character left, but we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, the the Kazuya Direct was was great. If you're not familiar, you know, Kazuya Mishima, uh, one of the many characters from the fighting game series Tekken. Again, also produced by Bando Namkai, which also produces Super Smash Brothers. So this choice felt kind of inevitable. You know, uh, it. I feel like if it was going to be a Tekken character, it was going to be Kazuya or, or, or Heihachi. But, you know, Sakura actually talks about that. In the direct, uh, Kazuya is just a more interesting character because he has this thing called Devil Gene. You know, you turn into a half-devil sort of character with your moves. And, you know, this character, like most of these, uh, you know, these FGC characters get added to Smash, like Ryu Ken and Terry Bogard uh, from the Fatal Fury series, there, there's a little bit more of a higher skill floor, you know, uh, like most traditional fighters, there's inputs that, you know, can lead to stronger attacks, um... You know, it, the the, uh, the command inputs are, are definitely what separate these characters from, like, other simpler characters to use. It definitely makes them a little more complicated. But Kazuya feels much, much more advanced than that. Um, 
you know, Tekken uh, on principle is a very complicated fighting game. You know, certain buttons, uh, you know, are dedicated to your leg, to your to your kick moves and your punch moves, and it's a it's a very technically hard game. You know, to get really really good at. It's an easy game to like play for fun because I played Tekken a lot growing up, but I would just mash buttons and have a, a grand old time. But to actually like master Tekken, it's really really hard to do so. And this character feels like one of those characters where it's it's gonna get really, really complicated, um, you know, to to really get good and stay good with this character. It's, uh, you know, if if you if you've seen the direct, you know, you'll understand that uh, you know, Kazuya's normal moves, which are the A button moves in Smash, if you're not familiar, uh, you know, every single notch on the GameCube controller, uh, you know has purpose for those moves you know there's he, he has the most normals by far out of any characters uh he's got really he's got really awkward attributes you know for an fgc character he shares a lot of similarities with with heavyweights he's got command grabs projectiles a really good recovery uh you know to get back to the stage and early signs are showing that this character is really really good he's got multiple moves that crumple you which if you're not familiar with that term it basically leaves you in an an invulnerable state where you just lie on the ground and you can't do anything. And, you know, you're seeing a lot of players uh, who are accustomed to playing these characters. You know, uh, most of the people that play the FGC characters kind of vibe in the same uh, pool. You know, you don't really see a lot of new people burst onto the scene with these characters. They've usually been playing them for a minute. Uh, but, yeah, these, these characters are uh, insane. You know, uh, Kazuya's got a, a plethora of moves that can crumple and stun you and uh once this character is going to be a force to be reckoned with like once uh people really start figuring out what to do with them uh the meme of the level nine computer entering tournaments has definitely been all over the internet the last week and hopefully that dies down sooner rather than later because i do think it's a little janky to like you know we've been competing in an online setting for like 15 16 months at this point most people are just starting to now go back to their first tournaments so it's one of those things where if you're someone who hasn't entered a tournament in so long or you're entering your first tournament post-COVID and you show up and you have to fight a level 9 CPU for a character that's been out for less than a week and you get your, your shit kicked in because these level 9 CPUs are absolutely ridiculous, um, you're going to get bodied. You're, <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I'd feel a type of way about it if I, you know, drove X amount of hours to a tournament and had to play a CPU and then got my, my you know, my nuts stepped on. It's not fun. So hopefully that's a fad that, like, goes away after, like, the first week or so. It's it's pretty funny right now, but I think it'll stop being funny, like, eventually. Uh, but, yeah, nonetheless, though, Kazuya Mishima is here. And, you know, Sakurai himself said that there's only one more character coming. You know, it'll be the last character ever added to Super Smash Brothers, which feels kind of weird to say it's not going to hit me until like you know we eventually find out who this character is probably later this fall or you know, early this winter um it's gonna be crazy uh you know i've i've dedicated about i've been playing super smash brothers since i was a kid but competitively I've, I've dedicated myself to this game for the last you know seven years uh which is kind of crazy to say you know smash well, you know, Wii U came out and the 3DS version came out in 2014, and lo and behold, all this time later, you know, I'm still here. I was a I was a 20 year old uh, snot nosed kid when I first started playing this game, and now, uh, you know, by the time everything's complete next year or whatever, I'm going to be 27 going on 28. It's it's wild. Math is uh, it's also you know easy. There you go. Um, 
but yeah, so we only got one character left, and you know, due to the me fighter uh, costume batch this uh, time around, you know, there's uh, <laughs> it's probably not going to be Dante from the Devil May Cry series. It's not going to be Shantae from Shantae. Uh, probably won't be. It will not be Lloyd from Tales of Symphonia. Uh, so a lot of fan favorite characters have been debunked by the me theory uh, purgatory, um, you uh, you know, uh, theme going along with Smash. And it's going to be weird, man. You know, there's only one character left. We don't know who it's going to be. I, I've said this on the Glintendo podcast as well, and I highly recommend you guys go listen to it. There's only two characters, in my opinion, that uh, can that really can make waves as... You know, it's the last character to get out of the Smash. It's gonna be, it's gonna be crazy. It's gotta be something mind melding or mind breaking. And in my opinion, the only character that can do that is either Master Chief from Halo or Sora from Kingdom Hearts. I think both of those two characters are the last of the untouchable. It'll never happen. Sort of characters. Um, I feel like those two would, because I feel like you know, it's the last character they're ever gonna add. It has to be something that's like monumental and something that's crazy. Sakurai has to be saving the best, most impossible character for last. And you know, Master Chief definitely defines a genre of of game that is very ill represented in Super Smash Brothers. The first person shooter is definitely you know, uh, it's an iconic game franchise that's very popular in esports. And Halo's itself was a very popular esport uh, as well. It would coincide with the Halo Infinite collection coming out later this year and. I just think that's the last of those like untouchable top shelf characters that would make the most sense in Smash. You know, you could uh, stages you'd have plenty of stages to choose from, like Blood Gulch, which would probably be the the, the yeah I feel like is the most iconic of the Halo stages. Um, I you know there's plenty of, of of weaponry and moves to pull from. You know, and if if you can put Solid Snake in a game and you know stick him out with grenades and and explosives and stuff, you can very easily do the same thing with Master Chief uh, and maybe tweak it a bit because he does have access to alien weaponry and such, you know, with the with the beam swords and the needler and, you know, all these very iconic Halo uh, weapons. Uh, and on the other side of that, Sora, again, represents a brand that would be a big get for Super Smash Brothers and not just Square Enix because, you know, Square's all over, has his hands all over Smash now, but also Disney. That would be a big umbrella to hop through most of my friends who i talk to say if you know if you're gonna get through the disney firewall why stop at sora why not get mickey mouse and smash which again i'd be pretty i'd be pretty stoked with that would be fun <laughs> but you know sora i feel like just makes the most sense it's from a game franchise that people for you know for more or less love uh i kingdom hearts is iconic uh you know sora has magic as on top of uh, summons and, and a sword that he could use to, uh, you know, aid him in combat. Granted, Smash doesn't need any more sword characters. I hope it's not more sword characters. So, I don't know. I think it's it has to be one of those two characters, in my opinion. And knowing how I usually am with these things, I'm probably going to be wrong. <laughs> you know, I, I hope it's... I, I just hope whoever it is for last, it's, an, it's, it's going to, you know, turn heads and melt the internet and make it so that you can't use your social media for like a couple of hours because everything is just going to be crashing because everyone is going to be trying to access Twitter or Facebook or whatever site at once and everything will just crash and burn. Um, but it's going to be fun. You know, I definitely am not ready to get off Mr. Sakurai's wild ride. You know, because this is most, in my opinion, probably going to be the last Super Smash Bros. game we get, maybe not just for a while, but ever. You know, where do you go from here? You can only go down from here because you can't 
just bring, keep bringing everybody back and adding on top of that, it's going to get impossibly hard. Um, so, you know, whoever that character might be, you know, leave your uh, thoughts in the in, in the comment section below. Let us know who, let me know who you think the final DLC character is going to be. So that was the number one, uh, you know, big thing that I really wanted to talk about this week. Uh, that was a fun, you know, way to start the week to happen this Monday. And then later on this week, we got uh, a first look at the Many Saints of Newark, which again is the uh, the Sopranos prequel movie. Uh you know, to again the TV series The Sopranos, uh, which again is uh, I was listening to another podcast that mentioned this. I don't think anything like this has ever happened before, where you get a uh, <laughs> where you you get a sequel movie to a television show that used to air on uh, on on television. You know, however many years ago, again based off of David Chase's The Sopranos. Uh, I'm really, really excited. You know, that first trailer dropped today. Uh, you know, we got to see the first look at Michael Gandolfini as uh, a younger Tony Soprano. Uh, you know, we got, uh, it, it, again, this movie is packed to the brim with a uh, really good actor. John Bernthal, Ray Liotta uh, is in this movie as well. And it's going to be, it, it looks great. You know, I wasn't sure how far they were going to lean into the actual Soprano side of things. Um... But nope, you know, all the, the set pieces are there. You know, you even heard the theme song at one point at the end of the trailer. You saw the uh, the Satrielli's Pork Store. Um, and again, there's also, you know, uh, Silvio and, and uh, you know, Polly Walnuts, you know, uh, Junior Soprano uh, being portrayed by Corey Stoll uh, in this movie. It's going to be fun if you're familiar with uh, House of Cards. Uh, you know, he is a, an actor from that show. And uh, David Chase is, is signed on as an executive producer. Uh, so, you know, it's going to stay very, you know, uh, close to the source material. And, you know, again, you know, people might feel a little uh, weary. You know, I was definitely weird when I found out that it was uh, it was Alan Taylor directing this. Um, Alan Taylor directed Thor The Dark World, which is one of the, uh, you know, considered by most to be probably one of the lesser of the Marvel films, even though in recent uh, years, uh, you know, I think that movie has gotten a redemption a redemption arc for how, you know, uh, integral it's been to a couple of plot points in, uh, you know, in, in current Marvel uh, canon. But, you know, I could save that for later. But, yeah, this movie looks great. It's a great excuse to go back and watch The Sopranos, which is a show that I have seen a, a multitude of times over the pandemic. You know, I watched it for the first time last March when I got laid off from my job. I had nothing but time. So I watched The Sopranos for the first time. I had uh, I had never seen it. I loved it. It all makes sense. I get why it's as good as it is, why it's so critically acclaimed for what it is, because it's great. It's just such, it's a great, um, you know, tragic story of this, you know, this mob boss that is trying to also juggle a, a regular family life. And... You know, Tony Soprano is one of the best written characters in television. Um, it is all the the cast of, of you know characters that are are on that show are just fantastic. And as someone that is li that has grown up, you know, pretty much in the in the area where they filmed everything on the show, you know, in northern New Jersey, it's kind of nice seeing a little like you know peer back in uh, in time to see all these these uh, these set places and, and recognize where everything's filmed. You know. Not many times have I been a uh, you know paid witness to shows that have uh, <laughs> that that have been able to uh, you know deliver that sort of like on site nostalgia for me. It just, it was uh, it was very very interesting. Um, 
but this movie looks great. Again, this is supposed to come out uh, September of last year, but you know, due to the uh, due due to uh, again COVID, it got pushed back into October first of this year. It's going to be streaming directly to Disney Plus, not Disney Plus, so HBO Max, and uh, you know, and other, and of course, uh, also going to be releasing in theaters. Um, and yeah, I'm excited. You know, let me know below what you guys thought of the uh, of the trailer. Uh, again, it looks like it definitely looks like the '70s. That's for sure. I'm I'm very, very excited to see how it's all gonna it's all gonna shake out at the end. Um, but speaking of the movies, that leads me to the third thing that I wanted to talk about on, on this you know short little episode of things this week that made me excited and happy, and that was uh, again the the continuing Marvel series uh, Loki, uh, which uh, aired its fourth out of six episodes this week. And again, we're going to go into uh, some light Loki, not light. I'm going to probably spoil the fourth episode of Loki today. I haven't talked about, you know, the show at length at all on the podcast yet. I'll probably save that uh, probably for, you know, in a couple of weeks when the show actually wraps up and, you know, we finally get some scope of where everything's looking. But, you know, last week's episode was kind of a, it was, it was a little slower. You know, it was a bit of an exp expository, fillery episode and, you know, for a series that is a limited series and only offering, you know, six episodes and potentially its only season, you know, I didn't really know how I felt about a filler episode, but they definitely knocked it out of the part with this week's episode. You know, if, if you've been paying attention to the show, you know, you'll know that Loki uh, was hired by the Time Variance Authority, uh, you know, to hunt down a variant version of himself, which turns out to be a, a female variant of Lady Loki, played by uh, Sophia DiMartino. Uh, who's been killing it these last couple of episodes. She's been great. Owen Wilson has been uh, great. Great to see Owen Wilson on my screen once again. And the amount of people that are going to be discovering Owen Wilson for the first time through the show. Uh, have fun going back through everything else. Because Owen Wilson is a fantastic actor. You know, not only is he great in you know, all the funny stuff he does. You know, like uh, Wedding Crashers and, and Cars. Uh, but he's a phenomenal, like, serious actor. Like, when Owen Wilson decides to, like, turn up you know, turn it, uh, you know, turn up the seriousness a bit, and it has to have those like real tender moments as an actor. He's great, and I'm I'm super stoked to have him as you know, even if it's just for a, a TV series of six episodes, to have him as a member, <laughs> you know, India, <coughs> to have him as a member in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is uh is awesome. So I'm I'm excited about that. So, uh, yeah, you know, this week's episode was was a lot. You know, we get to. We got to learn a little bit more about, you know, uh, what the TVA is doing and, and how the timekeepers are coming all into this. You know, Loki and and uh, Sylvie, uh, also known as Lady Loki, you know, were potentially going to meet their doom uh, in, in an apocalypse on, on Lamentus 1. But due to a <laughs> due to a, a very sick, twisted, narcissistic romance that the two share with each other, you know, they were able to be. Found and rescued, and we got a cool cameo from Jamie Alexander as Lady Sif, uh, who got to repeatedly kick Loki in the nuts, which was fun. You know, then the episode ends. You know, uh, you know, we we basically lose our two leads. You know, throughout this show, as you know, Loki reveals to Mobius that the the TVA had been lying to them, and they were just simply variants that were kidnapped or through you know throughout the timeline, and you know were thrown into working for the TVA. Uh, that's definitely going to have some answers to be, we're probably going to get a lot of answers to this stuff next week. Um, because spoiler alert, Owen Wilson gets, uh, pruned into, which is this show's equivalent of death. You get stuck by a glowing stick and it, you kind of just disintegrate. 
Uh, and yet we lost, um, you know, we, we lost both of our, our, our leading men. You know, we lost Loki and we lost Owen Wilson, uh, potentially. Um, but we find that at the end of the episode that Loki got pruned and he is awoken by alternate versions of himself, including Richard E. Grant as uh, classic Loki. We get a look at Kid Loki as well as Boastful Loki and Alligator Loki, which, again, probably my favorite of the Loki variants. Um, and so far, you know, so, so far the show has been really, really good. And all of the Marvel shows have been really, really good. At the, Again, at the time of recording this, you know, WandaVision had and the Falcon and Winter Soldier already out in their entirety on Disney plus. And like I mentioned, black widow comes out next week, um, which is crazy because again, that is another case of those movies that has just been in, in delay purgatory. Obviously I think they were just trying to avoid putting it on Disney plus for as long as they could. So, um, you know, Marvel had to push back their summer release schedule just a bit, uh, you know, with Shang-Chi now coming out in September and this movie originally slated to come out, last May and then pushed back to uh, this past coming May now being pushed back to July 9th for the final time. And it looks like we're finally going to get that movie in theaters and on Disney plus for uh, premiere access on the, on the ninth. And I'm excited to see this movie for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's been over two years since the last Marvel movie dropped in theaters. Um, I noticed because one of my friends tagged me in a video of us seeing Spider-Man far from home together. Um, which was in July of 2019. It's been two years since the last Marvel film came out, which is kind of ridiculous. Uh, you know, 2020 obviously came and went without a new Marvel film. It was very, it was kind of a nice refresher, you know, to kind of reset and like not have to like jump on the Marvel train for a bit, even though I did as I went through a journey with my, with my girlfriend of, you know, watching a lot of the, all of the Marvel cinematic universe with her. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because I, I I'm I don't think I'm burnt out of Marvel because that's been a big topic of conversation is how you know at what point is MCU fatigue gonna set in? There's three shows that are out, two of them finished, one currently airing. We're getting th four movies this year. Not to mention that I th I believe the next of the series to come out in 2021. I believe Miss Marvel is supposed to come out you know later this summer. Maybe in August, I think. And I think we're supposed to get the Hawkeye series also this year. So we're getting a shit ton of Marvel content, you know. And and uh, and What If comes out over the summer as well. But I don't think it's going to have as, like, many, like, movie arching implications uh, as everything else is. Because at least one of those, you know, one of those movies confirmed is going to be playing into... One of those shows, excuse me, is going to be playing into a, a movie as Miss Marvel's is scheduled to show up in uh, the Captain Marvel sequel. Um, so there's a there's so much Marvel content coming out right now. And it made me think, am I ever going to get tired of this? And I feel like Black Widow for me might be the benchmark on how I'm going to feel about this upcoming phase of movies. Because all we know about phase four is, you know, a handful of titles coming out through 2023. Um, and we don't really know what the overarching plot is. Is it going to be multiverse stuff? Is it going to be more intergalactic stuff? You know, we know that Marvel's trying to potentially expanding their, their, you know, their horizons and, and where this, the franchises are going to go. Um, but I feel like the movies have always been like the, their biggest catalyst of like moving that stuff forward. And I feel like once I see black widow, I'll see how invested I am in the, the big picture stuff of the MCU because it took them, you know, a f three or four years to really set up for, 
Thanos with the Avengers. And now that they have all this foundation to play with, I'm curious what's next because I feel like the MCU, as you know, as the films go, are only as good as their big bad. And you know, we've known for months that Jonathan Majors uh, of Lovecraft Country of Lovecraft uh, Country have uh, has signed on. Uh, to be Kang the Conqueror in the upcoming Ant-Man sequel, Quantumania. Um, and we, that's about it. <laughs> you know, there's been, there's been rumblings of who might show up in, in Spider-Man uh, No Way Home. Uh, but none of that can be confirmed, obviously. And, you know, we know that the Fantastic Four exists as of now, as of for when it's coming out. We don't know, but that means that, you know, Doctor Doom is only, you know, so far away, which is, again, is one of the best villains in comic book history. And I feel like it would make sense to set up for, you know, a Doctor Doom or a Kang the Conqueror, um, you know, sort of scenario, especially because Kang in the comic books is the son of Reed Richards from another universe who to hops through time. So I don't know. It, I don't know if Black Widow is going to necessarily be the film to set that up because it's technically a prequel film, uh, you know, while Natasha's on the run for violating the, so uh, the Sokovia Accords. I don't know if Shang-Chi or the Eternals are going to set any of that up. I feel like we're not really going to see what that big picture is until after, uh, you know, Spider-Man and Doctor Strange 2 comes out uh, next March. Because I, I feel like I, those are the two films that people are circling. Like, you know, if we don't understand what's going, we should probably have a good idea of what's going to happen around these two movies. And, you know, hopefully that's the case. And I'm I'm so excited, man. You know, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, I'm, like, I'm, I'm on the fence if I want to go to the actual movies to see this or not. It's going to be weird for sure. Um, but I, I'm so, 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 so excited, uh, you know, to, to sit down and, you know, enjoy a Marvel movie with my friends. It's going to be weird. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Again, I don't know if I'm going to go to the theaters for this. I might just rent it at home just to kind of have it in the comfort of my own home. Uh, and, you know, enjoy this movie with my friends, but I'm excited to get excited about Marvel films again. And all the reviews of Black Widow have come out to be really good. Uh, I'm excited against... Uh, Scarlett Johansson is has brought so much to the role of Black Widow. She has been phenomenal every time she's taken the screen with this character. And I'm really, really excited to see where this goes. I don't know. I just got really, really excited about Marvel this week, as I always am. Because Marvel is a cult, as uh, my girlfriend once told me. And I am very firmly <laughs> entrenched in, in this uh, in this world. I'm, I, I can never get off Mr. Bones' wild ride when it comes to Marvel. And... I'm really, really excited to see where things go, and I hope you guys are as excited as I am. Let me know below which of the upcoming Marvel properties you are the most excited about, uh, whether it be one of the new ones coming out soon or something further down the line, because there's so much good Marvel stuff coming out between the next, you know, this year and the next two years. Kind of crazy to think that 2022 is, you know, less than six months away, but... Yeah, that's going to probably do it for this episode. Again, it's a much shorter episode this week just because, you, know, uh, you know, scheduling conflicts and I'm trying to get used to this new editing software, but we're probably going to have another guest next week. Uh, don't know who yet, but, you know, we will we'll be figuring that out as we go along. But, yeah, like I mentioned at the top, please make sure to uh, to follow us on and, and like us and, and rate uh, review the shows on all whatever podcast platform you decide to get us on, whether it be on YouTube, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you might get your 
your podcast from, please, you know, uh, leave your feedback. It really means a lot to, to get the show, you know, more up and noticed. And again, if you want to keep more uh, up to date with me, you can follow me on Twitter at Koopa NJ and follow the show on Twitter at Cooped Up Pod and email us your questions and stuff at, uh, at CoopedUpPod at gmail.com. You know, that is uh, the best place to get in touch with the show uh, if you are so inclined to do so. And yeah, listen, hopefully you guys enjoy uh, the new listening platform. Again, I'm trying to get better at editing these things and, and, and doing everything as professionally as I can. And I hope you guys are, are, are patient. And, you know, and again, I want to appreciate everybody who's been listening and giving me feedback over these past 20 so some odd episodes. It is kind of crazy that we've made it this far. <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, it's definitely a lot to take in. But, you know, I've, I've been so excited to provide content to you guys, you know, all week. And, uh, yeah, I think we might do another two episode week next week. I'm probably going to do a, a review of Black Widow next week if, if, uh, if all goes well. So... You guys can stay tuned for that next week. And yeah, until then, folks, have yourselves a wonderful evening and take care.